Welcome back to the Honestly Well podcast. I'm Marissa Fay, board certified holistic nutritionist and your host. I'm so glad you're here today to learn about something that really and truly will help you to be honestly well. I specialize in using functional and holistic nutrition and habits in order to shift your health and build a foundation of optimal health. And I'm so excited to share this episode with you. I am joined by an amazing woman named Isis Clay. She actually has a production company, but works with teachers to integrate more play into their own personal life in order to reconnect with yourself, reduce your stress levels, and help build your own personal resilience. Now, I am super passionate about the topic of resiliency. I, in different iterations of my career, have worked on projects on this topic. And I really invite you to think of it as not that life isn't going to knock you on your ass sometimes because it is, but that you will have the perseverance and the passion to stand up again. And uh, I hope that you'll learn something new today in this conversation with Isis. I know I am about to go off and find a little way to play and bring some lightness and levity into my own day. And I invite you to do the same uh, while you listen to today's episode or after listening, if you are inspired. I would love to connect with you on Instagram. I am at Marissa Fay Wellness. That's where you can find me and provide any feedback, questions that you might have about today's episode after you listen. Um, And I hope that you'll continue to join me for this journey of honest wellness and enjoy today's episode. Well, I'm so excited to welcome to the podcast today, Isis Clay, uh, for a conversation all about play. And right now I'm just going to hand it over to her to share a little bit more about who she is and what she does. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marissa. Um, Yes, I am Isis Clay, and I'm the founder of Sculpted Clay Productions, which is an educational consulting organization that really focuses in on social and emotional wellness, creativity, and play with educators. Um, So a a little bit about my background. Yeah, (laughs) share a little bit, because I love your story. I feel like, and I have a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners who listen to the podcast. So I love when folks share kind of how they got to where they are. And then we can dive in a little bit more on the nitty gritty of what you do and why you do it. So let's hear more about you. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. So um, I was a I was and am still a an actress, a director, and a playwright. I went to college for theater and um, fell in love with it long before college. And when I left college, well, actually, when I was in college, I met my husband and we started a family very early. And so when I went to, after I graduated, after we graduated, we moved to the Washington, D.C. area where I started my acting career and realized very quickly that <laughs> a, raising a family on a, on a new actor's salary was not going to cut it. No. And so <laughs> not at all, not at all. Um, so I became a teacher. I, I went kicking and screaming. We saw an ad um, in the paper that the Maryland Department of Juvenile Justice was seeking teachers. And I had a degree. Uh, my husband funny enough, was already in education. He had been a teacher for years. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. But I was Even like, in the family. I'm not a teacher. I don't want to be a teacher. I see what you go through. I'm not going to do that. 
<laughs> and, um, but I needed a job. So I went and they ended up not hiring me for that teaching position. They hired me, uh, they created a, a position because they wanted to increase um, creativity. They wanted to increase um, the arts in several of their, their schools, several of their uh, detention facilities. And so they created the position. I went and uh, I worked there for about maybe five years. And then I transferred to public school. And um, in all, I stayed in education for 17 years. I, I fell in love with it. I was kicking and screaming in the beginning. Um, but I fell in love with the process. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with uh, when the door closed and I was able to share something that I have always loved you know, um, theater with these young people mm -hmm. and uh, watching lights kind of go on in their eyes. And so one thing that they don't tell you, and I, I feel like we, we're, we're talking about it a little bit more now because of the pandemic, but one thing they don't tell you <clears throat> is the emotional toll that teaching can play on a person. And there, especially when I was in the classroom, there weren't any supports for that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I, a lot of the places that I taught, you know, I started in juvenile detention facilities where the, um, the students were going through massive amounts of trauma. And then I moved to, you know, a public school and the public school was still in an area where a lot of the students were experiencing ACEs. And for those who out there who don't know what ACEs are, they are adverse childhood experiences. Um, a lot of, again, a lot of trauma. And I was the teacher that they would come to, to talk to, to, you know, kind of put them back on their feet, um, mentor them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any place to put all of those things, all of those feelings. Um, and so I kept them inside. And what that created was first a quicker, a faster route to burnout, mm -hmm. but more insidiously, it created secondary traumatic stress where I personally wasn't going through the stress, but because I'm consistently hearing about this over and over and over and over again. Um, and there was also this sense of helplessness. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can't take a student out of, well, I guess you could, you know, the only thing that it was given to me was report. Right. So anyway, what, what that ended up doing was it took me out of the classroom. So in 2018, I left the classroom battered and bruised and um, still in love with the process of, of teaching students, but very disengaged with the educational system. And um, yeah, it, it was tough. And so yeah. I dealt with it the way that I deal with things. And that's through creativity, that's through writing, that's through um, theater, the art form of theater. And so I wrote a one woman show about that journey, about my journey in and through education, kicking and screaming, falling in love with it, and then falling fast down a rabbit hole of, of secondary traumatic stress and trauma and uh, burnout. So um, I performed that. So 2018, 2019, um, 2020, the beginning of 2020, mm -hmm. I, you know, performed it, I toured it, it performed at the Kennedy Center um, here in Washington, DC, it toured in New York. And um, I realized 
that I wanted to be a little bit more helpful, that the show was great, but on its own, it wasn't helping. It was illuminating, but not helping. Mm -hmm. And so I created a professional development that includes the solo show because you have to illuminate the problem first. And then let's get to how we can fix it. And so it's a, a professional development for schools. And I've, I've been blessed to, to work with um, schools in Arizona. I'm not in Arizona. I'm, yeah, Arizona um, here in Maryland. So yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. I love that story for a couple of reasons. One is because I, I would label you as multi-passionate. I wonder if that's something that resonates for you, but I think you know, and, and you're nodding just for folks who, yeah. <laughs> you know, are listening, but because I feel like, you know, as someone who identifies as a woman, I feel like I was always told that I wasn't allowed to be multi-passionate. And it's something I see in a lot of my clients as like this barrier of, you know, we're working on things in their health and they don't expect that we'll actually have some of these types of conversations about like, well, how are you kind of, how are you nourishing and nurturing like your, your heart? How are you nurturing and nourishing your spirit, you know, in a non-religious way, but like, are you really like letting yourself be who you are and be as dynamic as you are? And so your story to me is like the definition of somebody kind of multi-passionate who's, you know, flexing these different muscles that you have at different times in your life. And I think that's so important as we go through life to really embrace those transitions and those different opportunities. Oh, absolutely, Marissa. And, you know, I will say this, that it may sound like it's been easy, but it hasn't Mm. because of exactly what you said. You know, there's this stigma. And um, so there's a bit of that. And and I've always been a bit of a a rebel. Yes, (laughs) me too. (laughs) So I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do this. But it it has been, it has been difficult. Um, But it's so important. Like you said, it's so important to make sure that you're nourishing, nourishing your, your soul. Mm-hmm. You know, we can work on our physical health and we should work on our physical health. But a lot of times I think we forget that our mental health, our emotional health plays a huge part in our well-being. Oh yeah. Huge. Yeah. Huge. And if we aren't putting in the work to make sure that we are, you know, emotionally healthy, Mm -hmm. mentally healthy, then we're doing ourselves and everyone around us a disservice. You know, I talk to moms. I'm a mom. I'm a mom. I have two older uh, uh, children. And uh, my youngest, as a matter of fact, is just graduating from Temple in two weeks. Temple okay, University. congratulations. Right, thank you. Thank you. Um, but as, as, as moms, particularly, there's this like stigma that we need everything that we need to, we do needs to be for the kids. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like everything is for the kids and um, especially when they're younger. But if we aren't catering to ourselves, to our emotional selves, our souls, um, what are we really giving our, our kids and what are we modeling for our kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always say, you know, people will ask me, what does it mean to be a holistic nutritionist? And I say, it means that I recognize that your health is 
you know, such a unique puzzle put together by all these aspects of things that influence it, including your mental and emotional health and well-being, but also your relationships, your mm-hmm. spirituality, the home you live in, the community you live in, the community you connect with. It's all of these things. And I always will joke with people and say, you know, your body is listening to your thoughts. Mm. You know, mm. like your body's listening. I know, right? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Like your body is listening. And so kind of the, we have millions of thoughts run through our head in a day and they just reinforce things. And so thought and your mind and your emotions are so powerful and they create a cascade of chemical reactions in your body. And we know that. And mm. so really, I think the number one sabotager of your well-being is stress, which mm. is going to be in big part influenced by what's going on in that mind of yours. So, so important. I also think your story, Isis, I think about, you know, I know a lot of people listening are, might not be educators, right? May not Mm -hmm. be in a teacher role, but are caretakers, right? Are people who are, are that person for their family, for their friends, maybe at work who people do come to, to share the really hard stuff and maybe Mm -hmm. get kind of empathy and support and at times advice from. And I think your story is really relatable to such a kind of broad range of, of those of us who really kind of take on that kind of role even more broadly than, you know, being teachers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's as a, you know, we talk about everything. We've gone through one heck of a year. Let me just say that we've gone through one heck of a year. And even before this worldwide pandemic, there was this pandemic of stress. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially, especially, I mean, I don't, I haven't traveled extensively outside of the United States, but especially in the United States, like we. (laughs) I think you're right about that. I do think we have a special relationship with stress. It's crazy. It's like we have this this on again, off again, love affair with stress, Mm -hmm. with with doing something, being busy all the time. And um, you are absolutely right. It's secondary traumatic stress and, and burnout is not something that's just afflicting educators. Mm-hmm. It's not, it is not. Um, so it's important that, that we talk about ways to combat it. And if you have fallen down the rabbit hole, like I talk about um, ways to kind of crawl claw yourself back out of it yeah ways to deal with the symptoms that uh, that come up mm-hmm. yeah so you're absolutely right Marissa it, it's not just a teacher thing and you said you had a, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and business owners oh my gosh stress with entrepreneurship <laughs> yeah uh, you know both you know both uh, sides of that <laughs> yeah uh, in yeah. a pandemic <laughs> yes oh my goodness so I want to know then for the listeners why play why play in particular? Oh, such a great question. So before I say, I answer why play, I really want to talk a little bit about when we stop playing. Yes. Oh, please. So as children, as young children, we watch them and we encourage them to play. They learn the world through play. 
like before even the concept of school, before school even starts, um, they learn through play. And then when school, you know, the, the younger years, we encourage play, all those types of things. But somewhere around middle school, yeah, I think it's about middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this idea that we need to set play aside, that there are more important things that we need to focus on, set play aside. And then especially when you cross that threshold of adulthood, wherever that threshold lies for you, there's this real aversion to play. It's like, I'm an adult. I do adult things. Mm-hmm. There's no time for play. Because I'm serious, I right? I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah. I have stepped over this threshold and now I am serious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's this kind of, well, and I will say this, that even as adults, we get opportunities to play, right? I don't think there's ever an adult that doesn't play again, but they're so few and far between. Those times are so few and far between. It's like we get with our family and we may play volleyball or we may play a game, um, a board game, but that's not the norm. Mm -hmm. That's not the norm. And we really need to focus, really think about that. Because play is such a huge stress relief, huge, really think about it. And then this is to all the listeners out here, out there, um, really think about the last time that you played. Now that could be this past weekend. It could be a year ago, but really think about the last time that you sat down and played. And I want you to connect with the feelings that were, were happening in your body. You know, were you concerned? about what was going on with your finances? Probably not. Were you still going on that hamster wheel loop of the things that you need to do for your work, for your job, for your business? No, no. Did that inner mean girl show up in your head or inner mean boy, that voice that tends to kind of talk down to you that, uh, idea of imposter syndrome. Did any of that show up? No, it didn't. It didn't. You were in the moment and you, it was a beautiful thing. You know, you enjoyed the people that you were around. Um, You were really at your best self. And so we really need to think about that. How can we incorporate more play in our lives? Mm -hmm. You know, even if it's once a week, but you know, I try to do more than once a week um, <laughs> only because I like to, I like the feeling. It's almost a, it's yeah. addictive. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think of it, it's a protective factor, right? Mm, like it mm. is the more you can engage in channeling this side of who you are, it's going to protect against when there are major stressors happening, right? Indeed. It's Indeed. like you have to fill your cup before you can fill someone else's cup. Absolutely. Yeah. This episode of the Honestly Well podcast has been brought to you by the Honestly Well course. You can find the course at 
bit.ly slash get honestly well, you'll get over eight modules of content information that you can use hours of videos over 10 different worksheets and guides, a customized pre and post assessment so that you can gauge your own progress along the way. Can't wait for you to check out the honestly well course again, visit bit.ly slash get honestly well to grab your spot. So what counts as play? Cause I'm over here like, yes, yes. And I'm wondering like, am I playing enough? And I'm not sure. <laughs> so, um, I consider play anytime that you are either creatively doing something. And we'll talk about what those types, types of things are in just a second or times when you are, uh, well, let me pause really sick, really quickly. We talked before about this idea of play being connected to mindfulness, mm -hmm. right? And mindfulness is being in the moment. Yep. Like literally in this second, in this moment um, and experiencing these things. So play, I call it the cousin of mindfulness because it is being in this moment joyfully. Mm-hmm. Being in this moment joyfully. So a lot of times mindfulness is noticing, noticing the smells, noticing the sounds, noticing the feel of things. Um, but it doesn't inherently mean that you're doing it with joy. So true. I, you know, I ask a lot of my clients who have really complex health issues. One of the pieces of homework I give them is I want you to think about things that bring you joy. And mm -hmm. then I want us to talk about it. And I'm going to give you homework to like, mm -hmm. do those things because mm -hmm. we really don't spend enough time asking ourselves, what brings me joy? And am I making sure that I'm doing those every day? Because they don't have to be big and complicated, right? Like exactly. it can be two minutes of, for me, something that brings me joy is snuggling with my cat. Like it can just yes. be that, you know? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is, this is one of the things that I talk to my clients about as well. Um, again, I'm in the education realm, but this applies to anyone, mm -hmm. um, especially now that we're like, so time, like, oh my gosh, we're in a time deficit, time deficit. We don't have enough time. Yeah. Um, you just said it takes two minutes, two minutes, it takes five minutes, two minutes, five minutes out of your day, every day to do something that brings you absolute joy that you can just focus all of your attention on. Mm -hmm. So um, for me personally, I love to Zen doodle, Zen tangle. Um, yes, Z-E-N tangle. Um, it's a form of doodling and um, it's very uh, is steeped in mindfulness, honestly, but I like to create, I like to create things with my hands and by all means, um, anyone out there, you can, there are a million videos on YouTube on Zentangling. Um, but it's patterns mm -hmm. that you, you learn these specific patterns, but as you are creating, you're not pre-planning. Mm -hmm. So just like when you doodle on a sheet of paper during a meeting, a, a, a boring meeting or something, yeah, you're doing the same thing, but you have like these maybe three or four sets of patterns that you know that you can do, but you don't pre-plan pre what the picture is going to look like. And the end picture generally is about the size of a, a small post-it. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that is big and crazy. It can be if you want it to be, but um. I find that if I do really tiny, like maybe the size of, I don't know, sometimes I do the size of like a, a half dollar. Wow. So yeah. not even as big as a, you know, if I don't have the time, but just 
the idea of creating and then you color it if you like and that just brings me so much joy um <clears throat> but that's something small mm-hmm. something super small um and mindful that you can do and there's uh, something to be said for that with using your body for that yeah. Right. Yeah. Because that, yeah. that does help us process in a different way. And I know for me personally, kind of processing some of my childhood trauma, getting in my body was really important and doing things with my body. So I love drawing for folks who might uh, feel silly kind of going beyond that as far as play um, yeah. as kind of a great starting place, right. Absolutely. To get yourself more comfortable. Absolutely. I'm also a huge fan of dancing it out. So I don't know if you watch Grey's Anatomy. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I am still hanging on, by the way. I think it's really gone downhill in the last couple of years, but I am still, I'm here for it. Like, yeah. till the end. Until the end. Yes. But Meredith Grey was, had, had it right dancing it out and you know even if you're like I don't you know I feel a little nervous about don't dance in front of anybody no just throw on your favorite song and dance in the bathroom mm-hmm. <laughs> or dance in your bedroom with the door closed but um that getting those endorphins moving your body the music that you love um speaks to your soul speaks to your mental health your you know emotional health and so I love that I also love two things. And this is, you know, a little bit, if people are a little bit more adventurous, I love jumping rope outside. Ooh. Okay. And hopscotch. Oh my gosh. I don't know the last time I did hopscotch. Hopscotch. Because it, if you've played it as a child, Mm -hmm. it connects you back to when you were a child. So those feelings, you know, it, it only takes maybe like two or three hops and then you're back when you were six when things were easy, when things, you know, you didn't have the weight of the world on you. And so, um, yeah, draw a little hopscotch board outside. I love (laughs) that. Yes. And also like, if that feels daunting, you've already got the chalk maybe. So you could also play with some chalk, right? Absolutely. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, for my birthday, it was my 30th birthday. Um, my husband and my best friend at the, my best friend bought me a box of chalk and we had this long driveway and they gave it to me at 1159, the, you know, the the day before my birthday was midnight. Mm -hmm. And from midnight to like two in the morning, I was in our driveway, just drawn. (laughs) And it was the most serene and amazing experience. There's something about creating outside there's something about drawing in chalk, which is very ephemeral. You know, it, it will go away as soon as the rain, you know, you can spray it. But there's just something about it that connected me to my childhood self. Yeah. And again, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't high energy. It wasn't doing anything. Just grab a box of colored chalk and have at it. I love that, Marissa. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, and I always ask folks, I'll say, think of a time where life felt easy or joyful Mm -hmm. or good. And I think choosing something that kind of taps on reminding you of that time period, Mm -hmm. it can be a really great way to like access, you know, processing things, but also being joyful, right? Yes. 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 I'm a country girl. I'm from North Carolina originally. And something about honeysuckles. 
Mm. Like even as an adult, like I would pick, <laughs> I call them honeysuckle mills. Oh, I used to call them honeysuckle mills. And I, I would go outside and pick honeysuckles for hours and wow. put it in a basket and bring it back to the back, my backyard and just sit and eat honeysuckles all day. And it's like a barely a drop of honey in, in anything. Uh-huh. But as an adult, like I said, doing something that brought me so much joy as a child mm-hmm. triggers those feelings again, like re-triggers that. Yeah. What do you think for people who are really in the thick of stress, like what would your protocol be for them? Where do they start? Like how often do they have to do this? Is it every day? Is it once a week? Like where do we start? So that's a great question. Um, Honestly, you start with the breath. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that. Um, Before play even starts, if you are really in the thick of it, it starts with breathing Mm -hmm. and it sounds so elementary. It sounds so small, but it's really, it could really, really help. And I know for me personally, it helps when I'm in the thick of it. Um, Three very deep calming breaths Mm -hmm. when I'm right on the edge of tipping over and things just three deep breaths take me a step back from that edge. So if you're really in the thick of it, I wouldn't say play because you can't think of play if you're in the middle of it. Breathe. Yeah. yeah. However, if you're not so close to the edge, you know, if you're stressed, but it's not like, oh my gosh, the world is ending right now. I really suggest definitely trying to get in something in once a week. Um, the way a lot of our lives are set up is this five, five day work week. And then you have two days off wherever they fall. You know, it doesn't necessarily, everyone's two days off doesn't fall on the weekends, Mm -hmm. but you usually have two days somewhere. Um, Figuring out and making it a priority one of those days to get some play in. Now, what does that look like? That can look like any of the things that we've just talked about or something else. Um, It can be joining a league. You know, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't know if they still have like kickball league, kickball leagues anymore. I think depending where you are, they have started up doing some of that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I that was one that's one of the things that I kind of regret. And I'm gonna get, get to as soon as we open back up because we're not completely yeah. open yet. It's a kickball league. I want to go back to playing kickball. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, but I would I would just say, you know, if you are short on time majorly short on time one day a week for 30 hours 30 hours 30 <laughs> yes 30 hours yeah, of play. 30 awesome. hours of play that's, <laughs> that's what, where you start <laughs> but if you feel like you have the capacity for more then absolutely try to get something in daily um get those snuggles in get those you know doodles in um whatever it is for five minutes a day mm-hmm. if you have the capacity for that a lot of people don't necessarily have a capacity for it, but, but yeah, yeah. Um, I'd start with that, that one day a week for 30 minutes. Yeah. I like that idea. It's, and also thinking of it as something you can look forward to, you yes. know, yes. I think we all need that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you imagine, can you imagine, like, think about your life right now? Well, a matter of fact, you don't even have to imagine, cause I'm sure everyone who's listening has had something that they looked forward to. Mm-hmm. Like I just came back from a, a, some time with my two best friends on the beach and the days leading up to this, (laughs) that trip were, I was 
I was so happy. I was so enthused. Think about when you were a kid and, you know, the day before Christmas break, you know, that kind of energy. If you plan something just for you that brings you joy once a week, think about how that's going to change your outlook on the passage of time, your outlook on your day. It's going to change it. It's going to change it. Yeah, I agree. And my tidbit there to folks is don't wait. Don't wait until you really, really need it. Start Mm -hmm. now. Because when we wait until like we're really depleted or really stressed, our cup is really empty, then it doesn't fill it up as much. But if you start making it a part of your self-care, and this is where self-care goes beyond, you know, baths and manicures and facials, right? Like where the real part of self-care is like, you know, how do I really take care of myself and protect myself and build myself up? This is, this is critical. Yes absolutely critical. And I'm glad that you, um, that you mentioned self-care and because it got to a point, excuse me, where self-care was such a buzzword Mm -hmm. that it lost its punch, you know, because, and then the idea that self-care is just facials and manis and petties and you know, we talked about it at the very beginning of, of this recording, how manis and petties and, and facials are great, but are you shoring up your soul? Are you shoring up your, your emotional health, your mental health? How, what are you doing um, for that? And that absolutely is self-care, vital self-care, vital. The nails aren't vital. No, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> facial is not vital. Yeah. I mean, you can do it. They're great. I'm not going to lie, but (laughs) they're not vital. Mm -hmm. But what is vital is finding that thing that turns your light on Mm -hmm. and engaging in it as often as you can, as often as you can. Yeah. I want to put a punctuation on that because I was going to ask you like, what's one last thing to leave people with? But I feel like that's it, right? Like (laughs) self-care is vital. Taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. is vital. And it's important to make as much time as possible for that. And, you know, that's coming from two people who, uh, you know, live different lives, but also understand that it's important to prioritize your own well-being in order to support other people, right? Like, so if you have any of that guilt around prioritizing yourself, like time to get rid of it, like it's time to take step towards, you know, getting rid of that because it starts with you feeling good. And then you have so much more to give people that you care about. Yes. Yes. You're not snapping at your kids. I, I, that was me like snapping because I'm so under so much pressure. I'm like snapping. No, you're not. You're, you're, you're giving them your best self. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Isis, if people are listening to this conversation and thinking like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. I want to learn more about you, which I know I am. uh, Where can we find you on uh, the great wide internet? Yeah, I I hang out most in in Instagram, um, but I am all over social media um, with the same handle and that's at sculpted clay. And it sounds exactly how it's written exactly how it sounds. Sculpted clay. Um, and that's IG, Facebook, Twitter, and Clubhouse now. And, um, 
you can also find me. I have a website. Uh, any if you if there are any educators, um, or if you just want to know more about me, um, www.sculptedclayproductions.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation. I know I'm going to be thinking about how I can play more. And I hope that folks listening will check you out at Sculpted Clay. Yes. And I, one last thing. Yeah. Um, the end of May, on May 30th, I have a workshop called Right to be Heard. Mm-hmm. And Right is W-R-I-T-E. And it's using creative writing in order to, um, as a self-care tool. So um, as a mental wellness tool, um, we do a lot of amazing prompts, but along with that, um, you write a, a, your personal statement um, surrounding a time in your life that you want to capture. And we, we do that in in different ways. We use poetry, we use prose. um, uh, Yeah, we do lots of stuff. So if you're interested in right to be heard, um, head on over to Sculpted Clay. Matter of fact, uh, yes, SculptedClayProductions.com and get some more information about that. Um, Again, doors will open May 16th and it starts May 30th. That's awesome. Well, I hope folks will take advantage of that and I'll pop a link into the show notes. And thank you again for joining me for this conversation. Thank you, Marissa. 